This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Hardesty flying solo again. Mets have a chance to break open the game and the Yankees are on the road. That's the number to join our Thursday night edition of ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM along with JP and Jake. We're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN New York. And as expected, bases loaded, Mets don't score. I feel like I'm I feel like it's Wednesday night all over again. I feel like I'm coming in the same way I was coming in last night. By the way, Yankees with a one nothing lead over the Oakland A's. Mike's, uh, Mike, Giancarlo Stanton going deep. Mike Stanton was a, uh, not only was he a pitcher for the Yankees, Mike Stanton was also a camera guy that I worked with many years ago. Both of them were on my mind right there. Caprian looks good, though. He looks real good. The the uh, former Yankee, look like he got a little attitude with his former club today with the help of a very wide strike zone <laughs> from the umpire. I mean, I mean, e- either, the, either the box is crooked or the strike zone is wide. I don't know which one it is. But after getting some heat about the wide strikes, it's interesting how he's kind of narrowed his strike zone back, right? That's fascinating. At the bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by my guy, SNY's Leger Doucible, and he will give us his thoughts. Anita made an interesting point about how do you grade these quarterbacks because they're not really uh, going up against the ones in, in most of these games. I mean, some quarterbacks haven't even started, haven't even played yet in, in the preseason game. So we'll see what the LD has to say about that. Also, we'll get his thoughts on what the Jets are going to do with their defensive front. What are they going to do defensively? Because they, you just people are just getting injured. Going down like flies. So what does this do to Robert Sala? And we'll get some other thoughts around the National Football League. So Leger Doucible, SNY, former Jet uh, defensive lineman, will join us at the bottom of the hour. But we begin where we always begin. We begin with a little baseball. And, of course, this is – so this begins a very, very important road trip for the New York Yankees. I'll get to the Mets in a minute. This is a road trip where the Yankees, of course, have four against the Oakland A's. They welcome back Gio Urcella to the lineup, so they'll be better defensively. This might be, Yankee fans, the best defensive infield you've had in a while. Okay, with Rizzo at first, you got Urcella at third. Uh, Velasquez at short. And um, is that Brett Gardner going deep? The Brett Gardner that's the Brett Gardner that Yankee fans don't like? The Brett Gardner that people just like, just like, why is he out there? Solo home run. Yankees up to nothing. Yeah, that's just what he said. <laughs> he just pushed Jason Dominguez back a whole nother year. Yeah, I know he did. <laughs> and, and guess what? Look how well he plays when he has a couple of games off, right? How nice is that? He got a little rest. He wasn't supposed to play 120 games this year, ladies and gentlemen, all right? And, and he was forced to play that because of injury and situations. But now, nice 2 nothing lead for the Yankees. But as I was saying, infield, uh, this might be the best infield they've had in a while defensively with what they bring to the table. So it's going to be interesting to see how they perform. But right now, 2 nothing lead. And all Jameson Tyone has to do is just keep it going, baby. Just keep it going. But this is a big series, clearly. And as Michael K mentioned earlier today, with Peter Rosenberg, if the Met, if if the Yankees can sweep the six game, six and a half game lead, I mean, you 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 never say done, but that's pretty that's pretty close, <laughs> pretty close, and that would be fifteen wins in a row. That would be just wild if that was the case. But we keep an eye on that game for you, and of course. After this, they go play the Los Angeles Angels, 
And the way the Angels are up and down, that should be a, you know a, seri- a series that they should win the series. I'm not looking for them, and I'm not trying to jinx them because you want them to win as many games in a row as possible because of the way they're playing. I mean, they're playing that way. They're playing really good baseball right now. So, you, you know, you keep winning until you lose one. But right now the goal is to continue to win series. That's what you do. That's how you keep the pressure on the Rays. You continue to win series. Just keep keep mowing them down. Keep winning. And that's and that's what will happen. So that's a nice seven-game trip for the Yankees. Meanwhile, at City Field, I mean, what can you say? Here's the good news. Because I get tired of saying bad news about them. I get so tired of that. But they don't give me a lot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Carrasco pitched well tonight. Gave up the two the two run homer to Bryant early. Man, I wish the Mets had gotten him instead of Javi <laughs> Javi Baez. I really do. I really do. He would have been a better defensive third baseman, and he would have and and clearly he would have given some more power to this team. But they got the wrong cup. So anyway, uh, Carrasco continued pitched well. Did a nice job, stretched out, got to the seventh inning, which was good. Went to Seth Lugo. Now, this has always been the thing as to, although Seth Lugo being, I think, one of the more consistent and better relievers on the Mets staff, the big concern about him has always been pitching in back-to-back days. You, you, you usually don't like to do it. They did it today, and he just didn't have his extra stuff. And he ended up giving up a run. Uh, after the game was tied by uh, Peter Alonso, had a two-run home run. And so now the Mets are looking at a 3-2 deficit as the Giants bat in the top of the ninth, and hopefully the Mets can find a way to get some runs off this Giants bullpen, which is not the best. But maybe they can find a way to to win a game here. And, uh, you know, they've got Davis, Nimmo, and Lindor coming up in the bottom of the ninth, and let's see if the Mets can uh, find a way to, to steal one here. But it is just it is just so frustrating uh watching this team and some folks on twitter are just they've given up they're like they're done uh i don't think this met team can beat the orioles i don't think th- it's it is really really demoralizing and then <laughs> the mets owner steve cohen tweets let's win this game come on and I'm like, really? Really? That's what you want to tweet right now? After, after you know, with, with a, with once again, the Mets having runners in scoring position and once again, not able to do what they normally, what they need to do. Unfortunately, if they did what they normally do, but I want them to do what they needed to do, and that was to find a way to get that tying run in. Because then you continue to put pressure on this Giants team. And I tell you, no disrespect to them. None. They have the best record in baseball. They've got a ton of wins. But I got to be honest with you. They really, they, they watching them the past couple weekends, they, are, they make a lot of mistakes. They don't play crisp baseball at all. I mean, they've had some guys who've had tremendous years. You give them credit. They've had some injuries over the past uh, week or two that the Mets have faced them. But they just, they don't run the bases that well. You see them errors in the field. It, it's They have not played Chris baseball. Now, if you're telling me that they're playing down to the level of their, of their competition, since I don't get a lot, don't see a lot of the Giants, you might be right. But just from what I've seen, these two series, it's not, it's, it's, and last night especially, it, it's just not good. The one thing I will tell you about this Mets offense again, they have hit into at last count, which is just incredible, and talks about the amount of runners that they have on base. They hit into seven double plays in 12 innings against the Giants in two nights. That's all you need to know. Tonight, 
on 98.7 AM. Like we till midnight. Look at this. Look, look. See the, oh, I'm sorry. I'm watching the game with the guys. <laughs> Velasquez scores on the misplayed double for Anthony Rizzo, and now the Yankees are up 3-0. Hey, Jake. Hey, Larry. Mr. Yankee fan. Yes, sir. Um, Somewhere, I believe, Glaber Torres is working on his thumb to get back. Well, he (laughs) must be sweating it out every time he watches this Velasquez kid hit. He has another hit tonight, a double, and he just scored another run. And we know from... You know, the last couple of weeks, he certainly has a glove. If his bat starts to wake up, I mean, obviously, Glaber's not going anywhere, but mm-hmm. he, he might be sweating like Chapman in a little bit. No question. Oh, man. And that means he'd be really nervous <laughs> because, boy, you know, Chapman looks like he's under the shower every time he comes off the mound. He has does a lot of hard work. But here's the thing. It's a nice hit for Rizzo. And once again, you're looking at the Yankees finding a way to get a runner in with less than two out. And so this team – I'm sorry, I thought Nimmo – You thought that was a home run right I, there. I, I, I thought did. the I way about... the camera held that for Nimmo, I thought that was going thought... 500 feet, but it I know. <laughs> barely went to you know right I field. I get to the warning track. <laughs> Those cameramen, they can died. be pretty deceiving for sure. But going back to your point, the Yankees just got Urshela back tonight. Uh, Brian Hoke reported before that Corey Kluber will be activated and be Monday. the starting pitcher on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glaber should be back anytime soon. And let's not forget that with the National League games in Atlanta earlier this week, and even tonight, Luke Voigt, who is the reigning American League Player of the Week, hasn't even started a game this week. And the Yankees right. are still on this winning streak. So they have Voigt, who Boone said before the game will be in the lineup the next three games. So he did say that. So Voight will be returning tomorrow um, with Stanton playing DH tonight. But the Yankees have reinforcements coming back. And it's not like, you know, small guys that won't make much of a difference. It's Gio Urshela. It's Glaber Torres. It's Corey Kluber, who pitched a no-hitter and then kind of dipped for a couple months. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, these are, you know, guys that will contribute and play a big part for the Yankees making this run into October. And listen, that's the right. This is the time you want your guys, and this is the way you want to be playing at this time of the year. So, if you're a Yankee fan, you are ecstatic right now with the way things are going. You're ecstatic. This, this, this is how you wanted to. Now, you would have wanted your team to be like this, you know, <laughs> all year, right? But if you had to choose a time for them to pick up their play, this is the time you want them to pick up their play. Coming out, going right down the stretch as the Mets lose again to the San Francisco Giants 3-2, Giants sweep. And so the Mets now will uh, get ready and face uh, the Nationals and then the Marlins, who are facing each other tonight. And um, this is, this is I tell you, once again, when we talk about the Mets, here's the bottom line. It's very simple, okay? And we can, we, we can pick on... Rojas, and we can pick on, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lugo for giving up a hit, giving up a run after the tie game. We can pick on all the pitching you want. Once again, the bottom line here is the Mets simply don't score. Done. Done. They simply don't score. So pitchers have no margin for error. I say it over and over again, and they haven't hit all year. A couple of exceptions, of course, but for the most part, they haven't hit all year. And that's why they're in the position they're in now. Uh, Dying, going nowhere fast. I know this is really foul, but SNY is just showing a little Mets. Are you watching the Mets game still? Uh, I'm going. I'm going back and forth. Yeah, so I figured oh, most Mets fans. Yeah, he's oh. just cr- like pretty much crying in the stands. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> I mean, he's not alone. I'm sure there's some grown men and women that are Mets fans that are crying right now. But to, just to show this little kid leaving the game, is so, it's actually picks eleven. So I won't put the blame on SNY. No, the- no, 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 no. It's SNY. They're saying that picks as the next game. So, yes, so the Mets, you know, had a rough time with the Dodgers and the, and the Giants. Um, 
But Larry, did you end up watching the full uh, Dodgers uh, Padres no, game out. last night? I wimped out Snake. I couldn't do it. What a game! After fourteen, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm done. Fourteen's where you cross the line. Fifteen, I, I, you couldn't do it anymore. No, no, I'm done. So I'm I actually done. stayed up for all sixteen innings. I went to you bed. The man. I I don't know if that's what it is, but I went to bed at around the game ended in on the East Coast at around four fifteen in the morning. Wow, you you almost watched the sun come up. <laughs> well, we were saying, thank goodness we didn't have, you know, sometimes we cover, you know, certain Sunday night baseball and other yeah. major. Imagine working that game oh, last night. Oh, let me tell you, back in the day, in the early days of ESPN New York, when we did our own updates, local updates, the night update anchor couldn't leave until the last local game ended. Okay. So you had to have all the scores in, and then you could record your casts until the morning crew came in. I'm sure he had some late nights uh, with that. One night, I was there for a 15-inning Yankees-Mariners game. Wow. What time did you get home? Let's just say this, and folks who, who are veterans of the station will laugh. I saw Warner Wolf come in with the morning show at 6 a.m. Wow. <laughs> My shift started at 7 the night before. I mean, you're not alone. You know, some guys here at the studio, you know, we have some some beds and some couches oh, yeah, that I'm we sure. reserve yeah, for the late nights. But, um, yeah, last night was certainly one of those nights. And before the season, no one expected the San Francisco Giants to even be a playoff team. Nevertheless, you know, the best team in baseball by far. And that's what makes uh, this Dodgers-Padres series so important because most likely, unless the Giants really fall apart, and that not fall apart, but the Dodgers and Padres are two great teams that can catch them. If the Dodgers and Padres play in a one-game wild card, Larry, that's going to be, I think right now there's no argument that they are the best rivalry in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So if they play each other in a one-game wild card, that is going to be must-see television. I mean, think about this. The Giants are 29 games over 500. Now 30 games over 500. 30. And pending the Dodgers-Padres score, they have a three-and-a-half game lead over the Dodgers. And they're 30 games over 500. 30. And they have a three-and-a-half game lead over the Dodgers. That's incredible. They have been dominant and here's the thing about frisco they're 42 and 19 at home and they're 42 and 25 away so they've been good wherever they've been (laughs) wherever they've been they've done the job and you want to know something larry before the addition of chris bryant which again you know another game against the mets you see Uh, bryant hit another home run it's you know just adding you know insult to injury but but besides Brian, before they added him, it's not like they really had one superstar or a bunch of, you know, big name guys on this team. No. It just seems like they're a team like the Rays that kind of just play like a great baseball team. They have guys that are having all the guys that you didn't expect to have career years are having career years. And they're having them all together. And the pitching has been very good. And they they've just been phenomenal. But <laughs> In any other year, they would be running away with their division. And it just shows you how great the Dodgers are. And then the Dodgers go on like, okay, so you think you're good? Huh, watch this. And they go out and get Trey Turner and And Max Scherzer. And Max Scherzer. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And we even said during the commercial break, seeing Scherzer in a Dodgers uniform, it just doesn't even look real. It looks like a Photoshop, even though I see him moving around. But they added him and Trey Turner. They just got Mookie Betts back from injury tonight. And as I speak, I think Joey Gallo just went yard, and he did. Joey Gallo, a three-run home run, and the Yankees now take a 6-0 lead over the Oakland A's. So, yes. It, it is amazing with the way they started out in the first inning. Caprillion struck out the side in the first. And they've hit him ever since. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Six nothing Yankees. 
Still batting in the third, still only one out. When we return, we'll switch our attention to a little football. SNY's Leger Doosable will join me. We'll talk Jets, Giants, and the NFL next on 98.7 ESPN. ESPN New York tonight on 987 ESPN. JP, you got to be kidding me. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, cut the music, cut the music, cut the music. J Super 09, you're right. On Twitter, he says, Larry, the Yankees have scored more runs tonight in three innings than the Mets have in their last three games. Perfect time to talk a little football. <laughs> SNY's Leger Doosable joins us here on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, LD, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Larry? Uh, my Mets are killing me, LD. My Mets are killing me. Otherwise, I'm doing okay. I heard, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's, tough, it's tough for the Mets right now, Larry. Oh, please. It's been, it's been tough for a while. Speaking of tough, <laughs> the Jets have gone through these injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Leger. It's just, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah. If you're Robert Sala and you're really locked in on this 4-3, what do you try to do to keep the integrity of of, of, of the schemes that you want to put in place? Well, I mean, Joe D and Robert Sala did an amazing job in the draft and trying to build up Robert Sala's team, more specifically on the defense. If you saw that, you know, Jared Davis went down in the Green Bay game. But they drafted two hybrid safety linebacker guys that fit perfectly in the system and Hassan Nazardine, and then also Jamie and Sherwood. So it's like the old saying goes, right? Next man up. And I know that's a little cliche, but literally that's what it is. And these young players were going to play anyway. I mean, Nazardine was probably going to start at the same linebacking position anyway. And Sherwood would probably get some reps in at the will position. And now he'll just play a little bit earlier because Jared Davis, you know, ended up, ended up getting hurt. But, you know, they really can't afford for anybody else and that linebacking crew ordered D-line to get hurt again. Carl Lawson was a huge hit, um, Leger. We talked about him. You talked yeah. about how well he was playing. People were saying he was probably, uh, along with Elijah Moore, the talk of the camp. I mean, you don't replace yeah. him. I know it's next man up, but that pass rush is very important. We know even if it's not a pass rush, but the ability to pressure the quarterback, especially until your young safeties kind of get their feet under the ground, your young secondary. Yeah, definitely. Um, the rubber solid defense is predicated off the front four creating havoc, right? That way the back end doesn't have to cover as long, and that's what this whole defense is based off of. And don't get it twisted. That is a massive blow for the New York Jets, but that is the one position group that has a lot of depth. It probably has the most depth on this team, more specifically in, in the interior defensive line. But I like guys like John Franklin Myers, a guy that's a versatile guy that, that plays on the edge, for the Jets and is going to be able to kick inside on, on passing downs. And then Bryce Huff, there's something about this kid, Larry. This guy had um, two sacks versus the Giants. He shows great bendability, uh, shows the, the presence to get on the edge, be able to bend running full speed and get to the quarterback. I think he will take a step. They're going to actually have to, you know, expect more from him now because of the injury to Carl Lawson. But I think he's really ready to ascend in this defense in the second year. Yes, it is going to be interesting. And, of course, you know, I, I've got some some listeners, LD, uh, who are more partial to the 3-4 than the 4-3 because they love uh -huh. the ability to stop the run, okay? And that's what the 3-4 the yeah. majors in is stopping the run. So how do you – and we saw them, you know, Green Bay kind of pound them a little bit and keep them on the field. What was it, like 19, yeah. 20, 21 play drive? LD, you don't want to be on the field for yeah. 21 plays. So what do they have to do to get off the field and kind yeah. of get the hold of that, that ground game a little bit? Yeah, you definitely don't want to be on the field for 20-plus for plays. But um, going back to that Green, Green Bay um, preseason game and that 19-play drive, there seems to be a lot of misfits during that one extended drive. Guys weren't in the right position. And it's just miscommunication. And sometimes that happens – earlier on in training camp, and, and I know they had been in training camps for for about three weeks at that point when that happened. But it's it's all about going, you know, and, and correcting those issues in the meeting room. You, you look at the film and see where we miss have some misfits. Like, where were the where were the linebackers supposed to be? The D-line, did they hit maintain their gaps correctly the right way? And when the safety 
inserts himself in the run game? Did he come into the the right run game? But a lot of times, if you also go back and look at that film, Larry, it was a lot of missed tackles. It wasn't so much guys always being out of positions. A guy, guys miss a lot of uh, tackles, and that happens in training camp because you're not practicing live tackling during the week, during training camp. You get your live tackling during the game. So hopefully they just have gotten all the missed tackles they needed out of their system, and uh, they show better versus the Eagles coming up tomorrow. How important a game is this? And, and I get that it's the last preseason game, and I get that, you know, it's a, Zach Wilson's probably not going to play a lot. And really the bulk of his learning has taken place in the scrimmages during the week. So I get that. But how important is this for him to you know, end up as another, as, as Salah would say, end up another uh, play where he has stacked on some more positives, where you see that he's still releasing the ball quick. He's, he's doing some things. Even though you hear the negatives during the scrimmages during the week, he seems to go to the film and make the adjustments for the game. So how important is him to keep on that track? Yeah, it's a process, Larry. And that's the thing when you have a rookie quarterback. It's, a, it's going to be a long process. You know, it's not going to be a finished product tomorrow. He's going to continue to grow as the season goes on. I honestly believe he had his – best week of cross practice with the Philadelphia Eagles this week. I know people were worried about how he was in the first couple of weeks of training camp, but you have to understand this kid is a rookie coming in. He's going to make mistakes. And I think it was so pivotal what he said during the week. Like it's his time and practice to take chances so he can realize what he can and can't get away with when it comes to the game situations. So like people were so harsh on him his first couple of weeks, but that is what practice is for Larry, for you to go out there and see and try new things and see what you can do and what you can and can't get away with on a practice field. So when you get to the game field, you know, well, I did this in practice and it didn't work because of the speed of the safety or in this coverage look, I know I can't try to squeeze the ball here because of the speed of the linebackers in the NFL. Like he has to learn those things in practice. So of course it was shaky his first couple of weeks, but we've seen him perform really well in his two preseason games. So that's really, really what I want to see from Zach Wilson and, and this offense as a whole, right? Just go out there. They probably won't be out there long, right? Just go out there, matriculate the ball down the field. Get the ball out of your hands quick. He's done a better job from week one to week two in preseason of reading coverages a lot faster, getting off his first read to his second read to his third read. On that first Tyler Craft touchdown versus the Green Bay Packers, Tyler Craft was the third read on that, and he got to those reads really quick. And you love to see that type of growth from your rookie quarterback. So just go out there. Be decisive with the ball. Michael LaFleur has done a great job giving him some easy throws, giving him some bootlegs, going out there and running the ball effectively, and then him being just decisive, getting the ball out of his hands. I want to see him continue to do that and put all these good practices and these good you know, preseason games together as he gets ready to take on Carolina in week one. Leger Duzable from SNY is my guest. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. All right, Leger, let's talk a little Giants right now. And uh, Saquon Barkley was able to participate in some live practice drills against New England. How important is that for him in his mind to you – know, he looks as though he's very comfortable. You see some of the workouts he's done on the beach, you know, I've shown highlights of that. So he really seems to have confidence in his head that his knee is healthy. How important is it, though, for him to take some hits? No, he didn't take any this week. But how important is that going to be? Yeah, Larry, and to me, you said it right away. You said it in his mind, his mental. Like, that is the biggest thing when you're coming off an injury. I remember when I tore my pec, and mentally, like, I knew I was healthy, but going out there and being able to lock offensive linemen back, um, knock them back, lock them out, getting off the you know blocks and disengaging with, with my pec, and then also wrapping up ball carriers. Once you get past that mental hurdle, then the game is yours. Like, and that's what Sa- Saquon Barkley has to do to build up to get his confidence ready to go back out there. And I think he came out today and said he really wasn't even thinking about the knee when he was moving. So that's already a mental hurdle he's already crossed in his process to getting back to complete strength and complete 100% on the field. So going out there and, and, and getting wrapped up a, a few times, not taking to the ground, but having some contact and just knowing for him probably – coming off the ACL, just planning in the open field and doing the things that he does, right? He's dangerous running the ball in between tackles and outside of the tackle box. But what he does is so dynamic in the play the play game, I mean the pass game. Being able to catch that ball in the backfield and, and, and have and have a home run, you know, run for 60, 70 yards is so electrifying. That's what he does and what separates him from a lot of backs in the NFL. Being able to go out there and run routes like receivers can at the running back position. When he's able to do that and cut an open field, 
I think mentally he'll feel like, I'm good. I'm back to being Saquon Barkley. Let's go. Let's get this season started. Is it just me or and, – and, look, I'm not trying to be Joe Judge or question this coaching, but just for me, <laughs> sh- shouldn't Daniel Jones have gotten more work than just coming up against New England on, on Sunday? I mean, this is supposed to be – all we hear about is how big a year this is for him. And he – you know, I know some of his weapons haven't been out there. I mean, Galladay is not ready to play. Uh, yeah. Tony is not ready to play. So, I mean, but still, Rudolph just gets on the field. I still feel, in his case, he should have been. He should have at least had one game before the last one, uh, LD. Yeah, so, see, Larry, we're in a day and age where we have to, and I don't know when this changed, Larry. And I don't know if, you know, your friends listening will, will like this take that. We've gotten too soft when it comes to football players mm-hmm. and how they're treated uh, and worried about, and like you want to worry about people's mentality, right, and their mental to make sure they're right. But this, this is a, this is a pressure game, right? So Joe Judge not having Daniel Jones go out there, it looks like he was worried about if he had one or two bad preseason games, him mentally breaking and falling apart. You see the same thing that happened at Philadelphia with Carson Wentz. But this is a pressure game, man. Like not everybody is built to play this game. At the end of the day, it's your job as a quarterback or a player, period, in the NFL to go out there and put your best foot forward and get a job done. And if you can't do that, they will find somebody else that can do that. So, to me, it seems like he was hiding him just because he was more worried about his mental as far as if he went out there and didn't perform well, especially being in the New York media, how he would be perceived and would that really crush him as a player. Because like you said, even, you know, this, he'll be playing this week, but he still doesn't have all his offensive weapons. So what was the difference re- between him playing, you know, the first preseason game or the second preseason game? Because his offensive weapons wouldn't have been able to be there to play anyway. They're not going to be there this week to play. And I doubt that he rolls Saquon Barkley out there this close mm-hmm. to the season when he's just now starting to take on 11-on-11 reps. So it's like you waited this long for your quarterback to get reps. And, you know, Joe Judge, you know, every coach does things differently. But I think he should have been out there playing in that first game. And maybe Joe Judge didn't trust the offensive line. Because we saw what the Jets' defensive line did to them in, the, in, in week one yeah. for the little bit of time that they were in there. So maybe that was another reason why he didn't want to roll Daniel Jones out there because he maybe felt like the offensive line hadn't gelled well enough to protect the young quarterback. You might be right about that. A couple of quick hits before I let you go, my friend. Uh, let's go to New Orleans. I guess Jameis Winston last week made it official that he can get the ball down the field better than Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. So I guess he'll be the starter. Yeah, I think everybody knew that, right? Everybody kind of knew that it was going to be Jameis's job to lose. And, and, and Taysom Hill is, is an important part of that offense, right? The things that he can do with the change of pace and his athleticism, like he's going to be pivotal in that offense, but – As far as Sean Payton being able to push the ball down the field, Drew Brees hasn't been able to do that the last three or four years. This will be the first time he has a quarterback that can really push the ball down the field. And we all talk about the 30-for-30 year that Jameis Winston had, but this guy threw for over 5,000 yards that year, Larry. So this guy's never scared to throw the ball down the field. And we saw that in the first quarter, what he did and that connection he had with Callaway in this last preseason game. And I think him just sitting back a year – under the tutelage of Drew Brees was monumental for this guy's career, not just physical, but mental, like knowing when to take chances, when to take the check down, and when you could take that chance and throw the ball down the field. I mean, it looks like we're we're going to see a whole new Jameis out there this year. And honestly, Larry, I'm, I'm going to go out and be bold and say that he could potentially be in the MVP race wow. if he takes care of the football this year because mm-hmm. that's the type of quarterback he is. Not many quarterbacks have thrown for 5,000 yards in the season, but this guy has. Uh, Chicago, who's the starter, Dalton or Fields? Well, we know for a fact that, you know, Andy Dalton is going to be the starting quarterback because he's not playing in this last preseason game, and Justin Fields will. And Matt Nagy's already come out and said that. Now, the question that remains is how long will, you know, Andy Dalton be the starting quarterback? And I honestly believe by week four or five that Justin Fields Fields will be the starting quarterback. Now, if Andy Dalton goes out there and they're 4-1, then you can't necessarily put Justin Fields in the game. But I don't know if Chicago will be that because, for one, they have had issues with their offensive line, whether Justin Fields was in the game or Andy Dalton was in the game. Both of them have been battered during preseason. But Justin Fields can protect himself a lot more because of the athletic ability. And I think 
players in that locker room feel that Justin Fields maybe could give them a better chance to win. So that's something Matt Nagy is going to have to really sit back and think about, right? Because you don't want to lose that locker room because you're not willing to put the rookie quarterback in if they feel that he is a better option to give them a chance to win games. Because people in Chicago feel, especially on that team, that they have a playoff-slash-championship caliber defense that they just need a trigger man under huddle that can not make mistakes, be able to move the ball down the field, and just not lose them games. So if they feel that Justin Fields is that guy, then Matt Nagy has to really sit back and think, well, I'm not trying to lose my team. Um, but you also have to do what's best for the players. If he doesn't feel like Justin Fields is ready, then he has to sit him for a little bit. Plus, he's on the hot seat because if he loses, if he has a losing <laughs> record, he's got to be out of there by now, LD. Got to be gone. Uh, you, you would think so. I mean, the people tend to forget, though, that Chicago actually went to the playoffs last year, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. You're right. Uh, is this the year Dak Prescott puts it all together and, and Dallas looks, you know, with, with uh, a very swelt Ezekiel Elliott? Is this the year that they, you know, kind of make some noise in the NFC East? Well, it's going to come down to if Dak Prescott is healthy, Larry. I mean, and I we don't know that, right? Supposedly this was just a shoulder strain, but I've never seen a quarterback. And, yes, you want to be, you know, extra careful with a guy that's coming off a serious foot and ankle injury. And anything that he has, you kind of want to err on the side of error. But I've never seen a quarterback have a shoulder strain that literally be out of practice for at least a month. Like, mm. to me, it seems like that injury might have been a lot more serious than, than, than what they're really letting on. And supposedly, no matter what, Dak Prescott won't be 100% as the season go, it goes on. And there's been reports to come out about that. So, Larry, literally is going to come down to, if, to see if uh, Dak Prescott is even healthy. Because when he wasn't healthy and got hurt last year, we saw what happened to the Dallas Cowboys. They crumbled. The first couple of weeks, this guy was on fire, man, was like leading the NFL in passing yards. Uh, they were still struggling with wins because that defense was so terrible. I think Dan Quinn will help in some of that process. But if, if Dak Prescott isn't healthy, Dallas Cowboys aren't going anywhere. That's for sure. There's no question about that. They, they need him to be healthy, and they need him to uh, be, be healthy and be healthy for most of the season. Because if not, they've got some issues. Leger, thanks so yeah, much, because, my friend. We'll uh, talk down people, the road. Yeah, go uh, ahead. All right, for sure, Larry. Oh, well, I was going to say, because people assume that with Dak Prescott being beat up a little bit, that they can just turn around and hand the ball off mm-hmm. to Ezekiel. But the NFL is not like that anymore, Larry. Like, you, you literally have to score minimum probably 25 to 28 points to win games in the NFL now. So before they could really lean on Zeke, but now with teams throwing the ball and, and being in 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, you know, like 70% of the game, you got to be able to put the, the ball in the end zone and throw the ball down the field. And with those three receivers, like it's going to be up to to Dak, you know, and, and him being healthy to really help this team make that playoff push to win the NFC East. No question about it. And, uh, you know, that, that, division is is weird in the sense of you're not really sure what the Giants are going to do. You think you look at them defensively, they are they're pretty good. Offense with the offensive line and Daniel Jones, you're not sure. You look at Washington, their defense is the class of the division, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know how he yeah. is, you know, he, he he'll, he'll he'll beat some teams. You're like, "Yeah," and then the other the easy teams are like, "What is going on with him?" And then you've got, you know, yeah. then, then then you've got Philadelphia where the quarterback situation is up in flux. And then, of course, you got Dallas. So it's a it's a weird division. It's a weird division. Yeah, yeah. Let's just be honest. The division is trash. Let's <laughs> just be honest, Larry. It's not a division at all. Um, honestly, eight wins might win you that division this year. Yeah, you might be right. And you didn't need eight last year. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. All right, LD. Thanks, my friend. We'll talk soon. Of course, Larry. All right, that's Leger Doosable from SNY. Doing a little football here on a Thursday night, right before the final preseason games in the National Football League. Remember, Jets and Philly, you can hear right here tomorrow on 98.7 ESPN. When we return, we'll take your phone calls. Talk to a little Jets, talk to a little Giants. 1-800-919-3776. JP, is uh, Jake the Snake okay? I saw back-to-back home runs leave from Oakland. Is he he all right over there? I'm hanging hanging in there, Larry. Okay, good. We'll come back and talk to you next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Hardesty without Damer. Hour number two on the Thursday night edition of the show. Thanks for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776.
Also via Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. I was talking about the Jets before we went to the Sports Center at the top of the hour. And so these are the things that I'm really looking for. I, I want to see the line play. And as I mentioned, the offensive line is tricky, okay, because of the fact, as I mentioned, you need to have that synergy, and they really haven't played a lot together. That And that's what's really frustrating for, for you to be able to build upon the, the chemistry and the camaraderie together. They just haven't had it. And then you add now Mekhi Becton in concussion protocol. It's not good. Tyon has uh, walked another batter, so you got the bases loaded with one out. So the A's have the tying run at bat in the bottom of the fourth. So this is this is going to be interesting. And yeah, I know it's once again it's the final preseason game, and I get that the starters are not going to go long. And I also get that they they may not be going against the first team on the other side for Philly. But you still need to see what this offensive line can do. And on the defensive side, I'm just saying. And I heard what Doosable said. Lack of communication, miscommunication happens all the time. Missed tackles happens. I get it. You see it, especially in training camp and in preseason games. But you can't have that, especially with your defense struggling the way it is now with all the injuries and you're plugging new people into different positions and you're hoping that they'll be able to, you know, do what they need to, to hold on and make plays. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And so, I'm just very curious to see how they handle it. Uh, and once again, just the fundamentals. And, and what you find out is how uh, how players are being coached up, right? How the secondary is being coached up. When you, when you see guys who don't glance back and turn and see where the ball is, just little things like that to make sure that you, you're able to be as physical as possible with the receivers within the five yards where you can to try to get them off the stride, to try to do whatever you can to slow them down. Because here's the thing, and we get that offensively what the Jets are going to do is they're primarily going to, there's going to be a lot of running. Okay, they're going to run the football. That's going to be their priority. Not ground and pound because you can't win playing ground and pound in the National Football League now. Because as he mentioned, everybody's got three wides and everybody's doing different things. And so, you know, unless you're trying to grind it, you know, you're trying to, you know, try to eat the clock and just move down the field, you know, it doesn't help you. It helps a young quarterback in the sense of what you want to do is not be so predictable and get him out of the pocket and try to, you know, keep the defense honest and not load the box and say, okay, throw the beat me. You want to be able to run the football because it makes life easier for him. But if you're going to score, and Doosable's right, and Greg Bull has said it for years, you got to be able to score. You got to have at least four touchdowns in a game. You got to score 24 to 48 points, 24 to 28 points in the game to have a chance. You have to. Because otherwise, you you just you got to be able to score, and then you add to a situation a struggling defense that puts even more pressure on the offense. So we'll wait and see how it plays out. We'll see as uh, these young men that you know uh, Doosable talked about. We'll see if they're able to make some plays. They get a chance to do some things, but. Uh, it was not with all the injuries that they have suffered. And what it looks like, don't know, as Tyon walks the bases loaded, so it's now 6-3 Yankees. Still went out in the third, in the fourth. So, and you still haven't seen where they are yet and how these players are going to be able to fill in with the added duty that they have 
probably and maybe in some positions where they haven't been. This is it's going to be interesting to see how they deal. And we won't really know until the regular season gets started. That's when we'll really know. Because once again, it's who you're you're facing in preseason. You know, you're not facing the ones. Not much anyway. Why is Lewisaga answering the phone in the bullpen? <laughs> That's weird. Why is Lewisaga doing that? I know Aaron Boone got kicked out of the game earlier, but I don't think the bullpen coach got kicked out as well. Yeah, like, well, I mean, it's crazy. And Tyon just he can't find the plate right now. This is the worst he's looked in the past couple of outings. He's been stellar. Larry, what do I say pretty much every night we work together during a Yankees game? That it's never easy with this team. No, it never is. After taking a 6 nothing lead, I didn't think that the, the go-ahead run was going to come up in the fourth inning. But yet, here we are, Larry. Here we are. And you're looking at a scenario where you really want him to get out of this inning because you don't, you really don't want to bring a reliever in the middle of an inning like this, you know, cause there's no, there's no wiggle room, <laughs> you know, Tyon's got to just bear down, get the, get the guy to hit the ball on the ground, double play, you know, let's, let's get off the field here, but he just can't find the plate. He's struggling a little bit. 1-800-919-3776. Go to the phones. Uh, Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Yeah, struggling ain't the word. Finding the plate. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know what happened, man. It's just these last three batters, bro. <laughs> I know. He was rolling. Ooh. Oh, man. And like you said, you can't really pull him right now. No. You really can. You no. can. Let's see what happens here. Come on. Oh, God, yeah. Everything he's throwing is, is, is late and hittable. You know what I mean? Yeah, Everything. and no movement. No movement. No movement. Mm-hmm. No movement. It's right there in that box. <laughs> Yeah, really. Oh, oh God! In the middle of the box too. Oh, my not God. not up or in down. The in the, the middle of the box. Not yeah, good. yeah, that one right there. They lucky that that one. Listen, they lucky that that one foul. Yeah. That that look. If he would have been a second ahead of that, that that was going to uh, right field line drive homer right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was sitting there listening to your, to your interview with um, Doozable. It's always a good interview. You know, you and him have a good chemistry, and I, you know he's. He's a very forthright guy, especially you know having been a player before and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I'm going to shift gears because I'm not trying to stress myself with these Jets. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm, I'm trying. You know, I'm having a good day, man. I had some empanada, mama, green sauce, white sauce, a little Johnny Walker Ooh. black. I'm not dealing with these Jets right now. I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm red sauce. Sorry, that's my wife talking about. Not no white sauce, red sauce. But uh-huh. anyway. And you may be you may be you going know, back to Johnny to depending on this on this lead. <laughs> you, yeah, you and Johnny I mean, may be having Johnny's another conversation. I'm, I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. It's been flowing. I'm a little delayed right now. But um, yeah, there we go. Struck him out. But uh, <laughs> listen, you know, I always felt like Daniel Jones. From what I saw, forget about where they were drafted or whatever. You know, whatever program pedigree they came from, whatever. I always felt like Daniel Jones had more talent and looked to me more like an NFL quarterback than Sam Donner did. Mm-hmm. Especially, I, I, you know, you can get no nickname Danny Dimes without being somebody who's accurate with the football. And I like his mobility. The, the thing that you, you're always concerned with, it, it's not necessarily that he fumbles, it's that he, take, he his pocket awareness was, was, was a problem because he takes some vicious, hellacious hits. That's yeah. where the fumbles come from. It's not that he can't hold on to the ball, but he's not seeing, you know, the, the, the um, pass rush when it's coming. But, you know, Dusable said something that's like, you know, and I think Anita Monk said this too before. It's like they're looking for Saquon Barkley to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Come back. I mean, I hope they don't put him on that. He doesn't really need to be on that field until at least game four. But, you know, they're looking for Saquon to come and turn things around, and they're looking for Daniel Jones, you know, to graduate into the guy who elevates people, you know, elevates the players around him. But, I mean, let's be honest, man. The Giants offensive line, that's a big problem, man. That is a big – give me one player on that offensive line. Even when they tried to tell you it was the guy, I was it, Hernandez? You yeah. tried to tell you that he was Real good. When you look at him, he was terrible. And he was the best of the bunch. Like, who does he have that's going to allow him to get the ball down the field yeah. to, to um, these new weapons that they have? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who, like listen, if you can't step into a throw, I, I mean, how's it going to work out? 
You make a good point, Buddha. Uh, and they're hoping that the rookie, uh, Thomas, can take that next step. They're hoping that, uh, you know, because Kyle Rudolph is going to be a, a really good tight end that can hold on to the football, that Jones will be able to move around in the pocket, buy some time. Once again, as you mentioned, they're hoping that Saquon Barkley and the running back by committee, because it's not just going to be him, will be able to get the running game going so the defense can be a little honest. They can drop back and maybe get some things uh, passing-wise. As um, the A's have a single with the bases loaded, so now oh, it's 6-5. Two-run score. That's two-run yep. score. Two-run score. Two-strike pitch, too. Uh, so, you know, that's that's what they're hoping. So they can find a way to, uh, you know, try to make life a little easier until they get that offensive line cooking. That's what I mean, listen, for, Saquon Barkley does daddy boogie a little bit too much, in, 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 you know, behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, some of that is on him, but a lot of it was on, like, defenders in that backfield, like yeah. ASAP. You know, you, you, you know like, you know, he's got to make a move. He's got to beat a person to get to the hole. There's a difference between you get to the hole and you beat somebody after you get to the hole. He's got to beat somebody to get to the hole. Like, that's been a big problem for them, man. That, that, that's been a big problem for them. And it's affected not only, you know, the reason why Ingram did so well and then also the reason why people were upset with Ingram is because Ingram is the hot read. You understand yeah. what I'm talking about? A lot of times the hot read, you know, if the guy has great hands, is good. Ingram has so-so hands. So there's some plays when he's going to get that hot read and he's going to you know break that tackle on the linebacker and go for 18 yards. But there were also plays where you're going to throw it to him and it pops up in the air, and then the secondary um, people get it. So you know they got to, you know they might have to spend some money. You know you can't keep waiting. Listen, you cannot keep waiting for these young players to turn around. You 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 can't. Everybody's yeah. job is on the line here. Jones, Gettleman, uh, except for Judge. Judge is good, mm-hmm. but you know. If I was them, I would really, you know, be trying to find somebody off this last week of cuts and everything like that. I think they will, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. I, I think they will. They have to, because they're going to need, you know, some extra, some extra depth at that old line spot. And the tricky thing is, much like the Jets are going to need some depth on the D line spot. You know, unless it's a numbers game, and it's a little easier with final cuts. Because, you know, sometimes it's a numbers game and guys just can't, you know, we just don't have the room depth-wise. I mean, what what is it on the, in, on the interior lines? What's going to be the the caliber of talent that's going to be cut at this point? You know, that's the concern. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.